that was fun. Getting everybody up on stage right now. Gareth, uh, never thought I would start a live stream at uh, 9 a.m. Price would be 28000 I would stop a live stream at 10 a.m. Price would be 28000 But somewhere in between, price would be 30000 Yeah, hey, buddy. Sorry, I was just... Yeah, uh, I was just... You're good. Yeah, man. But yeah, that was wild. I mean, that was absolutely insane. Um, you know, it's, it just shows you, to be honest, and I, I think I saw some of your tweets on this too, uh, Scott, is that it, like, you know, crypto wants to be taken as a serious asset. And like things like this, you don't see an institution being like, wow, I really want to get involved in this market when stuff like that happens. I, I totally agree. That was just just brutal. And we were on obviously live. So, uh, you know, I, I FOMO'd into the fake news like everyone else, which is something I'm generally pretty careful about. Uh, I smelled a rat very quickly and started tweeting about it. But man, that was, uh, that was wild. I, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll wait for everybody to get up on stage and then we'll be able to talk about it more. Had a whole bunch of topics and ideas lined up, but I don't think we're going to talk about much else besides this volatility clearly and, and what just happened what it may mean for if we do actually get a Bitcoin spot ETF approval, whether this is leaked early news or whether this was literally just fake news or an intern uh, who fell on their head. Uh, pretty insane, though, the way that this just happened, right? T to my understanding, as I was sort of watching it in real time and, and ran, we got to get you up so we can we can discuss. But um, it seems that Cointelegraph obviously tweeted that the uh, ProShares ETF had been approved, no link. That has now, I guess, since been deleted. Uh, and they had changed it to reportedly about 30 minutes later, but now it has been completely deleted. Uh, that was picked up, as I'm seeing it, by Benzinga, which was then reported on Reuters via Benzinga and then reached all the way to Bloomberg terminals, which to me is just like, I don't know if that just shows how quickly fake news can proliferate or how thirsty the market is for this. But the fact that it went across the board and all the way to Bloomberg terminals, which means it went to every uh, human being on Wall Street, is just astounding to me and embarrassing. Matt, you're here. You're just the guy I want to talk to. God, man. <laughs> what, you, listen, you're sitting there. You've been working on this. How many years have you been working on getting a spot ETF approved? I was seven years old when I started. Yeah, um, so two years yeah. ago. Great. great. <laughs> um, five years. Five years. Okay, so five years of doing serious work with a straight face. Uh, I see James Safeheart is in the uh, audience. We got to bring you up, buddy. Uh, you know, five years you've been working on this seriously, and then you see this tweet. Maybe, did you even for one second believe it was true? No, I did not believe it was true. We had, we had an internal slack that put the likelihood at zero. I mean, uh, you know, I, I, do think, I do think we're on the pathway, but, but no, I did, not, I did not believe it's true. Okay, so what do you think happened here then? Uh, well, well, well. Start me off. What do you think happened? Just call it what it is. It was it was a brilliant case of market manipulation, which wiped out. I'll quickly, I'm, I'm quickly going to get us an updated number of of how many shorts were actually wiped out. But the Binance short interest, um, open interest, went from 100k to 86k. Uh, yeah, what's it? It's uh, fifteen thousand contracts. There's three hundred million dollars. Three hundred million dollars wiped out in the, in less than an hour. Uh, in terms Rand, of what, 
Rand, quickly, what were the numbers right before? Because obviously we already, which is it, not surprising now, but we had already seen a three or four percent move on Bitcoin to the upside before this happened. So what happened was, what happened was that closed the open interest from about a hundred k to about ninety two point ninety three k. Then that started climbing, which was all the shorts that were liquidated in this morning's pump. Then they started climbing again, and it got to about ninety seven and a half thousand or ninety eight thousand open contracts. And then it was flushed out to 86,000 open contracts. And now we're sitting on about, right now, on, we're sitting on 90,000 open contracts. Well, how many longs were liquidated? Because price went all the way to 30. I have to imagine there were people who were getting long FOMOing in between 28 and 30 who are now. I'll get us, the, I'll get us all, the, all, the, all the numbers now. I mean, oh. that was astounding, embarrassing, riveting. I don't even know how to, how to dig in. James, Oops. listen, you... <laughs> You quickly kind of came out and said, this is probably fake, right? I mean, was there a second where you were like, wow, awesome. Can't believe they surprised us and did this. Well, I mean, so I, I, first I want to say, like, there's a lot of scammy accounts on Twitter, right? There's a lot of people that are – I look at and I know that they're going to – this shit that they're tweeting is uh, not necessarily to be trusted. But to be honest, Cointelegraph doesn't – they're not in that tier for me, right? Like. I like to confirm the stuff. They tend to exaggerate things, but like they're not ones to like completely lie about stuff, or at least in my experience. So I was like, and then also the news that they, they kind of broke the news that um, the SEC wasn't going, Benzinga did and they did that the SEC wasn't going to appeal the decision. And that seemed to ultimately be true. So I was like, the odds of this being right. Fair. That was Benzinga. That was Reuters via Benzinga, yeah, which exactly. hit Bloomberg so, as well. Same path. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, okay. I was like, I, before I saw it, I was like, this like one percent chance i wasn't quite at zero the way that uh matt was uh but i was pretty low and then so like i was a little balchunas texted me because i saw it too and then he texted me he was like what is this and i'm the one that usually checks the sec site so i just scoured the sites for like 10 minutes and i was like i've got nothing like there is nothing to indicate this is happening so i was like i gotta i i so i'm, I'm obviously on the bloomberg terminal i had I don't I'm 13 or 14 clients message me tons of dms just like is this true and i was like all right I'm going to go out there and say this is fake news because like no one else is saying it. And there's a lot of people tweeting it like it's real. Uh, so just never have I been so happy to be correct I, or I guess uh, sad to be correct, I guess is the correct way to say it. <laughs> go ahead, Matt. Oh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a dream deferred, not denied, uh, James. Don't worry. We, we will get there. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's scandalous. It's bad. This is, this is, the kind of yeah attempts at market manipulation that you'll see uh, through news media. It's happened before in traditional stocks. It's not the first time we've seen people uh, try to adjust prices by putting out fake news, but it's, it's disappointing to see for sure. Right. But this is, it's the particular fake news, of course, and under the very, very directed microscope of the SEC literally saying they don't want to approve this product because of market manipulation. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, that's exactly the thing I mean, that jumped out at me. Like you're 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 worried about market manipulation. This happens. I just want to know what happened at Coin Telegraph. Was this like a disgruntled employee? Did they get hacked? Did somebody just misread something and throw something out there they shouldn't have? Like, if anyone from Coin Telegraph is listening, we would love to have you on stage. I tweeted it. We're personally inviting you. Don't worry, we'll be nice. Come on, you can do it. I'm. I mean, it's. It's, it's worth noting that the preconditions were there, right? Like this, this is a unique day. It's, it's the day after appeal day. 
And, uh, and so it's not, you know, it's, it's someone who put it out is relatively sophisticated about what's going on. So I think, I think the preconditions were there earlier in the morning and, uh, and there's a rush to publish news. It's, it's still disappointing. It's still uh, a rank attempt at, at manipulating the market. And you can see that in the price, but it's, uh, it's unfortunate. Yeah. I mean, Tom, we'll go to you right after this. It's, if they did manipulate the market, it's more sinister than what you just described, right? Because it means that whoever tweeted that on Cointelegraph had a financial interest in some way in seeing what the price did, unless they're literally just trolling, which is, of course, possible. But I mean, somebody made a whole lot of money on Bitcoin going from 28 to 30 in that amount of time and then coming right back. Tom, you had your hand up. Yeah, the thing that jumped out to me, which immediately sort of raised my antenna, was they only approved one when I thought the indications were they would likely approve all of them at the same time to not be a kingmaker and just say like, hey, BlackRock, here is the all of the flows for the Bitcoin ETF because you were first. It, it, I guess, James, is that still your base case uh, at Bloomberg? By the way, really quickly, it was also quickly reported that BlackRock had been approved as fake news, by the way. Not, not in their reputable sources, but it went very quickly around Twitter or X, whatever the hell we're calling it these days. Yeah, yeah. what Tom said, we're, we're very much in the camp. Like uh, Matt can talk to this as well as anyone because they just went through the whole thing with Ethereum futures ETFs, but we're expecting to do roughly the same thing with, with Spot Bitcoin. They don't want to make any kingmakers in these things that uh, people have been trying to launch for years and years. We don't know what this does for precedent as far as other stuff goes, but these things where people have been filing for stuff for a long time, the SEC obviously kind of is just making everyone go on the same day and not letting anyone be a kingmaker. Um, and we're mostly expecting them to do the same thing with, with spot Bitcoin. So that was another reason why I was very hesitant. Like the, the news that it's just the iShares ETFs, it seemed very, very, very unlikely to me. Yeah, I must say congratulations to you guys for the speed at which you guys moved to say that you think this is going to be fake. Um, like a, you know, the market was, was celebrating and you guys came out immediately and said that this, this doesn't seem like it's real to you guys. I'm interested to know, James, if, if the, if the um, ETFs were actually approved, what is the formal like, um, notification channel? How would the SEC announce the approval of the ETFs? So how would the market here, so we can avoid getting these fake, the, the fake news again? What, what do we look for to make sure it's the real news? Yeah, so there's there's a two there's two things here, right? There, there's there's both like sources inside the SEC and at these fund companies. Um, there are people that are likely going to know it's going to happen beforehand, but definitely at the SEC and likely some people at these fund companies, like they're in conversation with the SEC before something like this happens. So it could leak. Like if you see somebody saying indications are that the SEC is going to approve stuff like that. Um, as far as like the official order, there's going to be an order from the SEC. So we've seen a, a whole bunch of delay orders and disapproval orders. There will be an approval order from the SEC on the SEC website. Now, there is some lag many times from when like the actual approval order hits the place on the site at times. But there there will be an approval order issued. And usually you'll be able to see it on the SEC website. So that's what I was looking for. And I saw nothing to indicate that. Uh, so like whether it's indications or sources are saying that it's going to be approved that's one thing but like if it's saying it's actually de facto approved you got to show me a document or i'm not going to believe it All right but james to your point and, and i will say like i've always viewed coin telegraph as a reputable source of news in the in the crypto market so something this outright false i think was very surprising to me at least yeah i'm with you 100 percent. like they're not they're not one of those accounts with whale in the name that i expect to uh be tweeting out complete like nonsense I agree. David, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, cl clearly it's it's troubling in the sense that 
you know, it's an asset class that's under a microscope. Um, but it's not like we haven't seen these types of things with respect to equities from time to time. Um, and, you know, and even, you know, very active parties in terms of, you know, folks that are easily identified in terms of, you know, pulling off these spoofs and saying, you know, we're making a, you know, a bid for company X, Y, Z at, at, you know, ABC price and, and so on. It, it, you know, it's few and far between when it happens in securities markets, but it happens from time to time. And it's a question of how quickly does the market correct as well? I mean, yes, I, I it, it, you know, it, this is this was not a huge up and down. Right. You've seen securities, you know, equities, you know, fly by 40 plus percent, 50 plus percent on these types of uh, of of statements. Um, and so I, I don't think it was egregious. I think it was corrected pretty quickly. And then in terms of being able to run down the source, the source has been run down pretty quickly. So I think, you know, things are generally OK. Uh, again, you know, the the, the, the asset class is under a microscope, so it doesn't bode particularly well for it. But, you know, I, I wouldn't be incredibly fearful about the backlash. Yeah, I, on I, I tend to agree with you. But the, uh, the only point I think of nuance there is that this is the entire market, not just some stock that's a part of the market, like relative to the stock market, Bitcoin is, you know, w- would be comparable to the entire index fund or to the entire market. And to see it go up and down like that, simply on this news, and this, by the way, is the one piece of fake news that everybody's awaiting or watching that could manipulate this market in either direction. And it is the entire market. So I, I view it through a slightly different lens. Maybe that's obviously because we're a part of this echo chamber, obviously at a crypto town hall, but I just, you know, it's just a real head shaker to me. So perfect. So listen, the, uh, the next question I guess is now that we've seen this price move, uh, there's a few things to unpack, right? Is this a foreshadowing, as Matt kind of alluded to, of what would happen if a ETF was actually approved? We saw, by the way, if anyone was paying attention, not only did Bitcoin absolutely skyrocket, but Bitcoin dominance skyrocketed, meaning that all coins got pretty much destroyed against Bitcoin on that move, at least temporarily. And then I guess the next part of that, which we'll go around to our analysts, uh, which I'll ask after, is... Does this massive, if you're looking at a chart and you're trading this technically, well, you can't get a much bigger wick to the upside uh, than that. Does this look toppy and do you expect this to mean price will will head down? Matt, I see you still got your uh, mic up. I'm sure you got something to say about the first part. (laughs) Yeah, I I think it is indicative. Look, uh, you know, a a Bitcoin ETF finally being approved is actually good news. You know, that that will be good news. Uh, I, I do think it will be net positive for price. So, so I do think there's some, you know, foreshadowing. It, it, it's probably more dramatic, uh, given the surprise nature of this fake news, you get, a, you get a quick reaction, but look, it's going to be a long-term, uh, bullish force on the market that will impact the market over multiple years. So, um, you know, I, I do think, uh, you know, we're, we're on a path to eventually get there. So, so this is a little bit of foreshadowing. It's just not not foreshadowing that any of us wanted to see this morning. Let's talk about the actual price action. I'd like to get Rekt, Gareth, and Chris in on this. Rekt, what do you think about it? It's really interesting because we've been seeing a multi-month diagonal resistance, a lower high form on Bitcoin's price action, and we've been rejecting an upside wicking beyond that lower high quite consistently over the past few months. And it's really interesting to see how this massive rally has rallied beyond that 
lower high. But quickly, of course, most of that move has already been cancelled out and we're just below this lower high resistance as we speak. Gareth? Yeah, so so I would just say this is that that pop took us right up to that 30,000 level, which we know was the big level that we tried to break above that 30 to 32,000 level. So, again, it's hard to know because it, it was obviously fake news and you don't know if the buying would have really catapulted us through. But on a technical basis, that just proves that that 30 to 32,000 level is going to continue to be the level to beat. I, I really do believe that if we get through that level and can hold above it, then you can easily head back towards 50,000 on Bitcoin. But but when that's approved, it's going to be a big deal if it can't get through. Like, like I think that's the kicker. I've heard so many people talking about how the approval is going to be the change where that's the new bull market. That's where this thing heads to 100,000. And so on chance that it doesn't break that level with approval, then you have a lot of disappointed people that may start to throw the towel in. Hey, quickly, before we continue with this, Cointelegraph has now tweeted about their since-deleted tweet. Here's what they said. We apologize for a tweet that led to the dissemination of inaccurate information regarding the BlackRock Bitcoin ETF. Are you kidding me? They literally don't even know which ETF they fake tweeted about. They fake tweeted about iShares, not BlackRock, guys. Yeah, it's, the same one. it's the same one, isn't it? Isn't it the same part? BlackRock owns iShares, yeah. Oh, my bad. Yeah. But technically regarding the BlackRock, okay, whatever. An internal investigation is currently underway. We are committed to transparency. We'll share the findings of the investigation with the public once it is included within three hours. So at least we will get some clarity. Sorry if I was uh, wrong there. I, I thought that the BlackRock had its own standalone ETF that was separate from that. That's incorrect, James. Correct. Yeah, it's it's under right. iShares. It's the under the basically all of BlackRock's passive ETFs yes. are just under iShares, and this would be a passive ETF. Got it. Which which makes sense now that people were reporting then secondarily after it only saying iShares and a BlackRock ETF had been approved. Go ahead, Rand. No, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I, I was just, uh, yeah, I was just uh, reading. You were reading the statement. I was just correcting you there. I mean, I, I think that I think that what we saw is we saw Bitcoin go straight through thirty, touch thirty-one thousand before the. It touched thirty. I don't think it got to thirty-one. I think it touched thirty, right? Thirty thousand nine hundred, actually. Oh, I think um, it, which on, exchange on Coinbase on Coinbase. Really? Yeah, the charts I have show like basically just a, just at thirty. So there's that uh, you know multi exchange volatility. That's pretty crazy that it got to thirty-one there. Yeah, it's got to thirty thousand. I'm checking it. Actually, checking. I'm checking the multiple the, the multiple exchanges now. The, the Coinbase against USD, not USDT. Coinbase USD uh, got to thirty thousand. Um, I'm just checking all the all the ones that we saw. Uh, the the Binance Perpetual got to I think thirty one thousand. So Binance USDT uh, dot Perpetual that one got to thirty thousand. 30,718. 30, yeah, Coinbase literally 30,000 to the tick, like to the penny. Exactly yeah. 30,000, which is pretty crazy when you think about the odds of that happening. It just looks like just such outright manipulation. I mean, Ram, what do you think now what this means for the market? Let's say that this you know daily candle closes right back where it started with this monster wake up. We were already having a pretty good day. Right, the day started at twenty-seven two hundred, so it's still up a thousand bucks on the day. Still above the fifty, the two hundred MA right now on the daily. I mean, still a relatively bullish move, even with that huge upside. I mean, it, it was it was a good move, and I thought maybe someone knew something um, because because the, the the move actually was driven by spot this morning. 
specifically Spot and Coinbase and Spot in Asia. And that's why I thought maybe someone knew something and they were buying it. I thought, you know, it doesn't make sense that it's a, a, a deferred pump from the news that the SEC weren't going to, to, uh, to, 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 uh, um, um, you know what I'm talking about, uh, um, appeal the decision. So I thought it was strange to have such a delayed pump, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, but, but I mean, yeah, I guess, I guess, you know, maybe someone knows something, maybe that maybe it's inevitable anyway, that this thing's going to happen. Chris, go ahead. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I mean, the reality is everybody's looking at what just happened today, but I mean, we've been in an uptrend guys. We've been since that, uh, September 11th swing low. Um, so, you know, we've been what five, five plus weeks rallying already. Um, I've got this as five waves up. I've got this as a leading diagonal. Um, the, the rapid breakout, quick breakout above the uh, wedge resistance and break back down right below it uh, is usually indicative of what we see in these diagonals. Um, so for me, you know, again, we broke out above that bearish market structure. Um, that was all around uh, whatever that was, 28, 281 or so on this Coinbase uh, Bitcoin USDT chart. So, I mean, you know, nothing surprising here. Uh, I mean, you know, a pump is a pump, but at the end of the day, you know, we've been rallying for five weeks already. And this is, you know, this last move is indicative of the end of a, a diagonal. So for me, um, I'm just looking at this pullback right now as a wave two. And if I'm correct, then it looks like we're heading up to 39, 40,000 to get us five waves up off that, uh, that you know, September 11th swing low. Let's, yeah, go ahead. Uh, let's talk about whether there's actually implications for this or an argument for the SEC to reject because of this manipulation, or is that completely hyperbolic? I mean, uh, Matt, you're, you're, uh, I want to ask you again, you're deepest in the weeds on this. I mean, do you think that this just gives them more ammo to say that this market is not a serious market? I think that's a, I think that's a long bridge to get to. I mean, on the edges, yes, the difference between this and the equity market is you don't have the, the, the clear surveillance into all the different venues to investigate anyone who might have tried to profit on one side or the other. So that's the bear case. But I think, I think it's too small in the grand scheme of things to overcome all the arguments in favor of a spot Bitcoin ETF. So, uh, you know, call me, call me 90-10 that this doesn't matter. Uh, but it's still unfortunate. Uh, it, it's still unfortunate on the edges. Dave Weisberger this morning, we were talking about it kind of in real time. And I asked the same question. He said it was the opposite. He said that this is actually embarrassing for the SEC that Gary Gensler doesn't want to see something like this because, you know, if this had just been approved, we wouldn't be able to see things like this. We would have a much less manipulated market and would already have the asset in place to to be more serious. He kind of took the other side of it. In, in that he, he thought this will push them towards approval? or Not or that this, this will push them towards approval, but that this is actually embarrassing for the SEC that these things can happen in this market just surrounding us awaiting an announcement from them on this asset. That they, basically the setup at this point has been so much anticipation and so much nonsense going back and forth that we that Gary now knows, listen, if I approve or disapprove or any piece of news comes out, it can actually be the thing that rocks this market. Mm, yeah, I can understand that. Well, the the SEC to some extent has put themselves in a box by allowing the the pressure around a spot Bitcoin ETF to build up so much. So I, I do think it's a uh, it's a meaningful moment for the market. So so I understand that. But I, I would say that that cut both ways. At, at the end of the day, you know, by and large, uh, I think the staff has to get behind the technical merits of allowing a spot Bitcoin ETF, and I, I think those arguments 
at this point are very strong, but it's, it's not a guarantee. And, you know, it would be better if this hadn't happened. Um, so, so I'm, I'm receptive to that view. I do think the SEC is in a difficult box, but I, I, I just go back to the fact that there are really strong arguments in favor of allowing a spot Bitcoin ETF, really strong technical arguments at this point, some pretty strong legal arguments uh, and the force of time. I, I think that wins out, but there's no, uh, there's no guarantee. And, uh, and, and, you know, we've, we've been at this for five years. So uh, we know that even times when you're optimistic uh, can, cannot always pan out. Um, and we'll see. Bill and uh, Bill and then Christian, we haven't heard your thoughts yet. Bill. I mean, can I just, yeah, go ahead. can I just respond to the previous speaker? I think, I think you're hundred percent right that, you know, we've been optimistic in the past and it hasn't happened, but on what grounds could the SEC now decline a, a, a spot ETF. And the reason I ask that is if they come up with anything barring what they've come up with before, then they can go to court and say, look, you know, you told us that the reasons why I didn't approve an ETF was this. The court specifically came back and said that that's not a valid argument. And now you're, you're bringing other arguments. Why didn't you put them in the first document? Yeah. I, I really hope that that is uh, that is accurate. I, I just I worry uh, I worry on I mean uh, you know again I'm optimistic. Uh, I worry a little bit about the Donald Rumsfeld esque unknown unknown. I worry about other parts of the argument uh, not specific to market manipulation that that could be could be tripping points. But again, to to back up and make the more general point, I too am optimistic about this. I I I think the the arguments are uh, are very strong. Um, and I think we are progressing toward a spot Bitcoin ETF, but, uh, I just emphasize that, you know, this is still no guarantee. Bill, did you have any thoughts? Yeah. I mean, uh, look, it's, it's pretty funny that Cointelegraph, uh, I know, I know you sounded like a supporter, but, and I won't just pick on them. I mean, you know, crypto press has a pretty good history of, um, irresponsible reporting in my humble opinion. And the SEC did announce on September 29th, which is what, uh, two weeks ago, that they were delaying um, a whole bunch of these, these ETFs. And I think uh, they kind of grouped them all in one big announcement. So it's not like they didn't already announce that they weren't uh, uh, opining in the next couple of weeks on this. And so rather than seek to verify, which is pretty much par for the course these days in in, in crypto press, uh, they publish rumors and and either verify or not or get their ass kicked because they got it wrong which is probably more often the case and then retract uh and i can point to numerous examples of this over time and unfortunately i i agree with matt it's probably a non-issue in terms of whether or not this gets approved and i think it gets approved in q1 which we discussed i think on thursday or friday last week but but i i do think that um unfortunately it makes the sec's point to a degree that uh, you know look what look what an incorrect uh tweet you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it's one of these Reddit things where somebody posted something and then they picked it up and an eager beaver journalist saw it. And before you know it, it's on Bloomberg. Um, but it does make their point to a certain degree. So, James. Yeah. So I, I would say I agree with like 90% of what Bill said, but the, the SEC delayed all those things early, largely because they were getting ready for the shutdown. And we just had the SEC not appeal for an en banc hearing in grayscale. So, like Matt said earlier, in the spaces there, there is like a window here where the SEC could theoretically make a move. Like it's not likely in our books, but it's not like completely unlikely either. So if somebody, if this was actually like manipulative and planned out, like this isn't a bad time, this week isn't a bad time to tweet something out like that. 
uh, because the possibility that the SEC just goes ahead and approves these things under the 19 before process isn't like completely insane. If it was like two weeks ago, I would have been like, or last week, I would have been absolutely not. But now that the en banc hearing is passed, which is basically an appeal for grayscale, um, there's a lot of things that can happen right now uh, that it wouldn't have been completely insane, but it was, uh, it was kind of unlikely again, as people. Brand, it just occurred to me that we actually, I don't think ever discussed grayscale on the show after it was actually after the sec actually chose not to appeal you you said you gave all the great reasons that would happen but that happened after actually in the evening on uh, friday standard time on friday after our show yeah so i mean one of the things i was actually about to ask james or one of the analysts whoever can can give us the best answer is what happens next uh when it comes to the grayscale thing one do they have to reapply two do they go into the front of the queue? Do they go into the back of the, of the line? Like walk us through the, the, the different options of, of what could actually happen here with, 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 the, with the Grayscale Trust. So we don't know, and Grayscale doesn't know either, um, to be very clear. So this week we should get a better idea of what's happening with Grayscale specifically. Again, I want to reiterate that we think like everyone's probably going to go at the same time. I, I think it's unlikely that Grayscale would go and then they wouldn't approve the other things or vice versa. Uh, though it's technically possible. Uh, but this week, the court will make their opinion official and mandate it to be true. Um, I, I believe there's going to be dialogue opening up between Grayscale and the SEC now that the en banc appeal has not happened. Um, technically speaking, the SEC has until the end of November to apply for an appeal with the United States Supreme Court. Um, that's highly unlikely, in my opinion, that they would even apply for it. It's highly unlikely that the courts would even accept the case. And if the courts do accept the case, again, both highly unlikely, um, the SEC will lose in the current Supreme Court, in our view. So with that out of the way, basically this week we should get – this week or next week we should get a better idea. The SEC will – Do they care? Stuff, uh, do they care? care? Does the SEC care if they lose? Like, I mean, what are the implications if the SEC loses for the SEC? Like, okay, we lost. We spent uh, some money, we lost. It's already happened. I mean, like at, at this point, it doesn't matter, but I don't think they want to go to the Supreme Court. It would just look so much worse. Um, there's just no upside, in my opinion, aside from just delaying things further. And again, we still have, um, the, the January 10th is a deadline for ARC and 21 shares application. So like there's already a deadline no matter what they do with this Grayscale case. Now, what does Grayscale have to do next? Um, there's a, it's possible that the SEC tries to make them completely refile and go through that 240 day process so they can have an active application. There's also a theory out there that I kind of subscribe to that now that their disapproval order has been vacated, that the grayscale application is technically active, but the, like we're in an area where there is no precedent, right? Like this isn't something that's happened. This isn't something that lawyers like, oh, in the past when this has happened, we know these are the next steps. So we're kind of in a gray zone. Um, and I'm not a lawyer, <laughs> so I'm just relaying from what I've talked to lawyers and, and different people. But essentially, this week we'll get a better idea of next steps. Maybe the SEC comes out and says, okay, we'll issue a new order, whether it's a disapproval for new reasons, which we kind of think is unlikely. The SEC has – the courts have given the SEC very little wiggle room to deny again. Or they'll say you have to reapply, completely start this 19B4 process, the 240-day process. Or they'll say like something like – we're going to come out with a new order in 60 days, 90 days, 45 days, whatever. So I, the courts are not going to say there is no world in which we think the courts say, all right, SEC, you now have to approve these ETFs. That's not going to happen. It's being handed back 
to the SEC to make a decision. Iran, I think it's important. And James, we had this narrative that one of the routes that the SEC could take would be scorched earth to basically, you know, take back the futures ETFs that they had already approved as a result of the grayscale decision. Can we say that that was a completely false and nonsensical narrative since they've now approved so many Ethereum futures ETFs? I think now it's a false. And I also thought, I, I mean, I don't, I've said it on here probably. I thought that was highly unlikely. Uh, but it was definitely, like, I wouldn't have put anything past Gary Gensler. But now that they've approved the futures ETF, they approved the two act Bitcoin futures ETFs, I think it's like virtually 0% chance that that's going to happen. But again, I wouldn't put anything past Gary Gensler. Um, so. <laughs> I, no, yeah. but I mean, I say, I, look, I, I also wouldn't put anything past Gary Gensler, but I think that I have to put past Gary Gensler. Like, you know, if you if you start going back and and appealing, you know, it just it doesn't make sense. It, 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 even for him, it doesn't make sense. And I don't have much I don't have much faith in him. Yeah, I think they would have just not approved those Ethereum futures ETFs. Hey, Dave, I uh, very uneloquently tried to uh, make your point from this morning, Weisberger, about uh, this being a negative for Gary Gensler, but perhaps you can do it more eloquently. Well, yeah. I mean, look, the SEC's job is to protect investors, ensure fair and equitable and orderly markets. When the SEC is the reason that markets are disorderly, that reflects very badly upon them. I mean, look, there's one federal agency that's rather, you know, that they can't do much about it, but they impact markets. So that's the FDA, because when they approve a drug, that stock moves up, et cetera, et cetera. So they try very hard to do that when markets are closed. They try to, you know, adhere to schedules. They try to do things to, to try to minimize that because it's well known to be a bad thing for investors for government actions to be considered surprises. So the fact that we have this coiled spring in a market because of, of, of questions about the SEC, the fact that they've lost in court, they didn't appeal, it's just a black eye for them. And, and to be fair, I mean, you know, there are a lot of people in that building that are disconcerted. I know this from firsthand information. There are a lot of people in that building that don't like the fact that they are the story. They would like the market to be based upon, you know, money flows. I mean, we should today be talking about Stephanie Kelton and the reemergence of modern monetary theory and Paul Krugman saying we've beaten inflation and all sorts of sound money sorts of things, not the SEC. So the point is, it looks bad. Now, do they care? I mean, I don't know. I'm not in their heads. But I do know that history will judge it very poorly that the SEC has become the market driver because there's this pent-up demand out there, obviously, that uh, is waiting for something to happen. But that said, I do want to come back to something Rand said before that I disagree with. He said it's unlikely that the the grayscale decision come midnight on a Friday uh, is why we were opening up today. And I disagree with that. Uh, the fact is, as you said yourself, the original rally was spot-led. And a lot of people who would be buying spot uh, tend not to want to trade on the weekend, especially USD basis, because of the way the banking crisis has caused uh, liquidity in the weekend in the United States to be so poor. So I do think that that the buying that preceded all of this foolishness uh, was legitimate spot buying from people who are patient and slow and see this as yet another reason to uh, up their allocations. Uh, but obviously, this blow off move was, you know, was based on rumor and speculation. 
Well, price is now sitting in the exact same spot that it was uh, before all of this. So there is some, you know, that lends some credence to what you're saying. Sorry, Rand, go ahead. Scott, uh, on Friday when we had the discussion, you said that you think that the 30,000 prices in the um, the 30,000 prices in the spot ETF approval. Now you had a pump and you saw like when the first five minutes we got to 30,000, do you change your, do you change your, um, your prediction on what the price will be if we actually do get an approval or multiple approvals? I said like the 30, I, I said, I thought that it would end up closing below the 31 area, like being the, the yearly high. I wouldn't be surprised to go above, but I mean, that was a, yeah, it doesn't change my view because I think that whatever we just saw was literally somebody manipulating the market and, and making money. I'm not convinced that what we just saw was in any way natural or gives us a lesson as to what might happen in the future. I know I'm seeing that around a lot, but like if that was just a couple actors buying heavily on news that they were leaking and knowing it was going to go up, then yeah, I don't I don't know if that's given me much information or that I care, but I, I'm not sure that that changes. I have to think about that more deeply, to be quite honest. What do you think? I mean, you obviously you're the, the implication. I, I think, think we go way higher on, on that. I think forty thousand. I think forty thousand. The first couple of days with the excitement when when everything gets approved for sure. I, I can I, I definitely can, can see why that would be the argument at this point. Certainly, I, I just like I think I'm a little dismissive of this entire move today, and and don't think it gives us much information. But I think you're right that there's going to be insane hype when it does happen. You can definitely tell sentiment wise and what we saw on X and how excited we people were that uh, that it is a massive catalyst. So I, I don't think you're wrong. David. Yeah. Yeah. I just I just wanted to comment on what David Weisberger said. I, I, I think it's very sharp reasoning. Um, and I agree with his thoughts. Um, if we were in, um, I'd say, a, a less charged environment, uh, I think we Gary Gensler, uh, but also generally regulatory agencies in this government have been living in crazy town for a while. Um, and I think they are impenetrable to any logic that they, they have very stark policy marching orders. And, you know, as crazy as things might seem, I don't think it was Dave, I think it was someone before that said, you know, about appealing to the Supreme Court of the United States, maybe not, maybe not wanting to see that type of public slap. I don't know about that. Um, you know, but but with respect to not bowing to the pressure that seems to be building out there, in terms of all logic pointing in the direction of get this done now, um, I, I, I just I, I really believe at this point between not only the SEC, but also the FTC plus the FCC doing some stuff with respect to net neutrality. I think there are just agencies in this government that are 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 under crazy marching orders. They've got blinders on. And for whatever reasons, uh, they just continue to march to that drum, regardless of how many losses they take in the public eye. Yeah, I think that that makes sense. Christian, you haven't had a chance to weigh in. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I wanted to get back to uh, to what you and uh, Rem are discussing. And I, what I do think uh, on what just happened is, is uh, that it was way too quickly identified by a lot of people in the market that it was not real. And, and, and I think... Uh, you know, if, if it really got approved, that it, it actually might push through most of the resistance. And I think Rand might be spot on on where we're heading with this. 
And and on top of that, I'm very curious to find out also, like, what are the potential legal uh, um, uh, um, uh, actions that that might be taken towards uh, a tweet like this from from an account that is credible, I would say. That's um, bad news. Yeah. <laughs> Just very interesting to, to to see what will happen there. You know, it's like it's it's a uh, hundred million got got deleted in 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 matter of minutes almost, and and. Yeah, barely uh, anything can be done against it. And it was from, from one simple tweet. I mean, I'm laughing the whole day already from all the tweets that are being posted on, their, on the account now. And, and just very interesting to find what the, especially in the US, the, 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 yeah, the legal results are from that. Go ahead, Bill. Yeah, I'm guessing the Cointelegraph reporter didn't just make it up, which means that there's probably some, you know, go to Reddit or something like that and you can probably trace where the person got the information from, they probably won't disclose it since they legally don't have to. But uh, I'm guessing the CFTC would probably like to know uh, who who is trying to uh, manipulate the uh, the price since they have very broad uh, you know uh, fraud uh, and market manipulation um, oversight of the spot markets. Ren, I think I agree with you. By the way, now that I'm thinking about it more as we're listening, I think it goes higher than 31. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, I I um, I wonder who would sue. I mean, let's say somebody manipulated the markets here. Who would sue? Who would be sued, and who would sue? So, who's the the regulatory agency that would would? Uh, generally, it's the CFTC for spot markets. Um, and, they they don't they the, don't they don't regulate the from a licensure perspective um, the trading of spots, but. Uh, Post dot Frank, they do have very broad uh, fraud authority, which you guys all covered with the, uh, um, I guess the the Voyager stuff last week. Yeah, I it guess was, that would be similar. Uh, they ran. I guess your question is, who do they go after, and maybe they'll be able to detect who actually profited from this move, and if there was some relationship between them and the tweets. Yeah, I mean, I, um, the question is, is it? Like this is a global industry, so if the CFTC does find out about it, I mean, what would they sue? Some, I think, isn't Coin Telegraph based in Russia? I'm not actually sure where they're I based. Th- I think the head office is in Russia, or certainly one of their big offices is in Russia. Yeah, yeah I mean, my, generally, it's very difficult to go after journalists. Very difficult, regardless of where they're based. Even for market, yeah, so really, even for market manipulation. Be, I guess it would be. I mean, if you can prove that that's what that what that that was to me that that was their intent, I suppose. But um, even with the irresponsible nature of crypto journalism, I I would venture a guess that it wasn't their intent to 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 um, manipulate the market. It was their intent to front run the news based upon a, a rumor rather rather than responsible journalism. Mm, I mean, yeah, isn't there like a minimum? Isn't there like a minimum amount of due diligence that a journalist needs to do? Now that's uh, you're confusing ethics and the law. So, so uh, which is something that gets confused a lot in in crypto journalism. Uh, but um, but unfortunately, I, I don't think that they're breaking the law in just uh, in just retweeting or or tweeting based upon some rumor. Well, okay. Sad, but I'm, I'm just as a, as a follow up to that. I'm very curious. What's the, the difference here between a journalist and an influencer? Because, for example, in the Netherlands, influencers have to mention like not financial advice or whether it's an ad or not. The, and and 
are, when are you a journalist officially? When are you just an influencer if you're tweeting without anything saying breaking news? Well, I mean, you know, the meme, is, the meme yeah. is that if you say not financial advice, if you say that tweets aren't financial advice, I've got uh, legal advice from David Silver that says that if you say that your tweets are not financial advice, you're safe and the SEC can never come after you and the CFTC can never come after you. No one can come after you. That's what David Silver wants to There's me. nothing better than Dave, when we have David Silver listening in the audience and we can talk about all of his legal advice that he's giving us, right? Yeah, he's, he, I'm trying to get him right, up. David. For some reason, I don't know. On my side, it doesn't look like he's, he's connected. Uh, I see him in the audience, but uh, I guess we'll, we'll keep going. Simon, I saw you're about to jump in. Welcome. Oh, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll put the disclaimer out there. Not legal advice, nor financial advice. But um, No, Simon, I, yours is also full disclosure. I'm invested in it. That's, you've got to say I'm a share, I am a shareholder yeah. in Bitcoin. I'm a shareholder. And I've got a close <laughs> relationship with the CEO. Um, but the, yeah, there is um, carve-outs in every regulations for media. So um, when you... And it's an interesting thing because that's jurisdiction specific. So, you know, if you're Bloomberg and um, you're doing a Kramer and you're like making recommendations and stock picks, depends if it's a public company, private company, commodity. Um, so e each regulations has the definition of whether you're a media outlet or not. And in my understanding as well is market manipulation um, probably – uh, again, maybe David Silver or some of the other lawyers could take this one, but you probably have to try and profit from it, right? So if you bought Bitcoin, I guess they could have had Bitcoin. I'm assuming every journalist at Cointelegraph probably has Bitcoin. But if you bought Bitcoin, released some news, and then sold Bitcoin, uh, that would probably be something worth investigating. But yeah, my, my memory of Cointelegraph is I do think you're right. I know originally it was certainly founded by Russian um, uh, a, a, a couple of Russian people. It was much. It was a decentralized company because I remember I did actually try to um, invest in them when they did a funding round, and I couldn't get to the bottom of the structure. And um, uh, it's quite tragic, actually. But um, the CEO passed away, um, like not not too long ago, wasn't it? Um, if I remember correctly, do you remember that? Well, uh, I, yeah, I remember something like that, to be honest. I, I didn't actually put one-on-one -on -one together there, but I, I remember something like that. But I mean, so I guess the implications of doing it for them, other than a loss of credibility, is not really very much. Yeah, I think, well, loss of credibility, I think, I think it's a big thing. I think this is embarrassing for Cointelegraph. Um, Who was the other media outlet that, that, that kept, it was, a, it was a real media outlet that kept making, like, uh, kept posting fake news for a period. Who was it? It was it was pretty recently, um, and then it came to a point where everything that they posted, people just said that they were New York Times, fake. Fox News. You know, no, it was, it was a crypto <laughs> one. Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> we can go we can go on and on about that. Federal Reserve. Federal Reserve. I do think I do think this is one of the things where you know the market manipulation actions and lawsuits. Someone would have to be directly tied. I mean, this is this is a coin telegraph. Their reach, the impact of how long the market shut up, where the market stabilized after the news was fake. Um, someone there would have to be. It, this would have to be such a perfect insider trading scenario where someone bought, sold. That person was, you know, within the U.S. reach. Um, my guess is this is going to go nowhere. It's going to go nowhere fast, and there's just lost credibility.
Yeah, the price literally was back where it started within an hour, right? So uh, hopefully very few people were actually affected, especially if they were uh, buying and selling the spot. So I think- I mean, right I don't want to get technical here. I don't want to get technical, but you say it was, wasn't, weren't we under 28,000? Aren't we 28,100? Yeah, it's still up slightly. I think it was like 27.7 to 27.9 sort of before and was already up about three and a half or 4%, right? I mean, it's up still 5% on the day, which is impressive, even if this hadn't happened. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Hey, I, I, I guess, about, um, I guess what it did, oh, sorry, I, I guess what it did, sorry, Sam, I guess what it did was, I think it, it showed the market what would happen if that's, that's what happened. And and now the market's going, hold on a second. I mean, the thing is it's, 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 it's literally, it's, it's a win and it's not, if it's like a, when this happens, the price is going to pump and it's, it's, it's coming soon. I mean, it's, might be a, a 30 days, it might be 60 days. The Bloomberg analysts have it, you know, 90% chance within the next 70 or 90 days or whatever it is. He's here. That Bloomberg analyst is on stage <laughs> with us, James. <laughs> yeah, I, I, so not, we're at 90 by Jan 10. Um, that might be a little high. Uh, the SEC could delay. There's a few other things, right? Uh, but Jan 10 is, like I mentioned earlier, the, the ARC 21 shares and um, – the, their final application, the SEC can no longer delay, so they either have to approve or deny. Um, and I can't imagine them denying and then approving stuff later. So if we get denied on GN10, um, odds for 2024 go down. Um, but th- there's also things where they could be approved under the 19B4 process, and then they have, there's other divisions at the SEC that have that this thing has to go through. Their prospectus has to go through Corp Fin. There's a few other things. So theoretically, they could approve under the 19B4 process. And then find other ways to not let this thing actually launch at those times. Um, but I think they're going to be hard pressed to completely deny ARK and 21 shares on by January 10th. But I've said this before, that 10% is basically Gary can kind of like pull rabbits out of a hat and do what he wants. Um, right, you guys extent. are 75% on 2023. And this is literally 10 days later, somewhat arbitrary, right? So Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we were... Yeah, full full disclosure. Balchunas has a has a steak dinner bet. So if if he's correct and the thing gets approved by before the end of the year, he gets a free steak dinner from another ETF analyst colleague. And if it's after that, the ETF analyst colleague gets the steak dinner. So that's part of all of this that went into this. But we're I, I I'm still very confident it happens by January 10th. Uh, and I think if we don't get an approval order by that January 10th deadline, uh, that doesn't bode well for anything else later in the year. Brand, have we talked this uh, to death? Uh, I think there's no more. There's no more water. No more juice in this lemon. I think we've. Uh, we've hey, could I bring up another death. juicy but related? I love yes, juicy please. Uh, While James is up here, um, was it? Correct. Who? So correct my memory. Was it Bloomberg or CoinDesk that broke the FTX balance sheet story? CoinDesk. It's CoinDesk. Okay, maybe Which was thought, a fake balance sheet, by the way. Yeah, well, the seven iterations came out in the court hearing. Uh, oh, it wasn't the actual one that Caroline produced, or well, it was one version of whatever. Yeah, it was it was one version, and whatever version it was was actually that CoinDesk broke. Clearly, was a fake balance sheet because the real balance sheet would have had you know tens of billions of dollars in a hole or whatever. But it's just when you think about the context that Coindesk broke a balance sheet that sent the whole thing into a spiral and that balance sheet was cooked to look good. It just shows you how astoundingly bad this situation really was. But go ahead, Simon. 
Yeah, so okay. have we have we discussed the fact that the first person, according to Caroline, um, to receive the fake balance sheet um, was Genesis with the regards to the repayment of the five hundred million dollar loan, and the same com- the the company that uh, from an unknown source leaked the balance sheet was Coindesk, who both happened to be subsidiaries of Digital Currency Group. Yeah, we haven't discussed uh, this, but this is a fair point. This is a, yeah, they a are fair the point. same company, and we know that the uh, walls between these companies are paper thin, based on what we've seen. Obviously, well, yeah, now, we the, about only, if, the only well, defense well, of that is it's completely against their interests. So it obviously worked against their interests, but it seems somewhat coincidental that the same group received the balance sheet and leaked the balance sheet from an unknown source. Yeah. I mean, I think a, lot, a lot's going to come up. I mean, I, for me, the highlight of, of the last 48 hours when it comes to F, SPF case is this letter to Judge Kaplan, which says, on behalf of our client, Samuel Bankman-Fried, we respectively submit this letter in connection with the issues that we discussed with the court and government on Friday relating to Mr. Bankman-Fried's inability to take his prescribed medication during the trial day. As we noted, Mr. Bankman-Fried has, has been doing his best to remain focused during the trial for the past two weeks, despite not having his prescribed dose of Adderall during the trial hours. However, as we approach a defense case and the critical decision of whether Mr. Bankman-Fried will testify, the defense has a growing concern that because of Mr. Bankman-Fried's lack of access to his Adderall, he has not been able to concentrate at the level he ordinarily would and that he will not be able to meaningfully participate in the presentation of the defense case. We appreciate the efforts of the courts and the government to find a way to address these issues. The defense also attempted to resolve this matter with the BOP, but we have received no response to numerous mails and voice messages. As discussed the court on Friday, and the current proposal is to give Mr. Bankman-Fried a 12-hour extended release 20 milligram dose of Adderall in the morning before he is transported to the courthouse for trial on Monday, uh, October 16. We are hopeful this medic. This modification will resolve the situation, but it's not clear that the BOP will, in fact, be able to provide the extended release dose to Mr. Bankman-Fried. Listen, I've taken Adderall before, and 20 milligrams is a monster fucking dose. Yeah, I, have AD- I mean, I have ADHD, so I guess I can theoretically sympathize, although I don't take medication anymore. But um, how bad would SPF been, have been at fraud if someone had pulled his Adderall years ago? You know, maybe maybe if we had just taken away his Adderall, he wouldn't have been able to do any of this. It sounds like he's got a serious, serious addiction to Adderall. I mean, it's, I, also, know, I, also pers- I personally blame him for everything that's happening with this uh, fake ETF news. I, I don't know how, but but I think it's his fault. Yeah, anyway, I think on that note, Scott, we've uh, we've squeezed the juice out of the lemon here. Huh? Yeah, and we and we're, we have weeks to talk more about uh, SBF and his Adderall, so I think we can uh, wrap this one up. Mario's going to be back talking to us tomorrow, right? That's what I heard. I heard a rumor that he might grace us. Right now, it's all rumors. Right now, it's all rumors. I think we've taken a backseat to the Middle East war. Justifiably so, I think. All right. Well, uh, guys, thank you so much. Everybody follow our guests. Once again, before we leave, follow crypto underscore town hall. I think this is day six of uh, hosting on, on this account. Uh, and going exceptionally well, really happy with, with, with the, the results. And we will be, I think, staying here uh, indefinitely, right, Rand? So uh, everybody, please follow that account, follow all our guests, and uh, we will see you all tomorrow, hopefully uh, with the actual ETF approval. Just kidding. I don't think that's going to happen. All right. Thanks, everyone. Have a good one.